Welcome to another great episode of Mostly AV. And we have our co-host, Michelle Lorette. Yay! Didn't forget me this week. Woo! That's awesome. And as our guest, we have Justin Watts. Um, The man, the the myth, the legend. So Mm -hmm. Justin is a global service delivery manager for Facebook. He is also an Avixa educator. And um, I'm I've I've heard he likes AV karaoke, but that's just a rumor. You know, I do like AV karaoke. It's fun stuff. I mean. You get all of my friends that are usually very, uh, very staunch and very, you know, trying to sell me awesome things, get a few Jaeger bombs in them, and you don't know what's going to come out. <laughs> it's always odd to me because you never know who's a really good singer. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, but, you well, know. Well, I mean, I, I've heard that alcohol makes it easier, right? Alcohol yeah. actually, whether it turns off the part of your brain that gives a crap or whether it just kind of mutes the, the internal PA. Uh, you just go for it, man. What's it all about? So tell me, I'm curious, uh, share with the audience. We have at least two followers, by the way. So both of them, Joe's one of them are going to want to know this. Well, I'm, uh, the, I'm the other one. So that's- <laughs> yeah. well, I, I did say last week, I was like, oh yeah, we will have our other follower on as a guest within the next 30 days. So that's good. So, uh, tell people, uh, tell people about your journey in AV. How'd you, how did you get where you are now? Uh, well, so I started out, I decided after, I don't recall which movie I watched, I decided that being a, a gear relocation engineer, which back then was a cool term for a roadie, uh-huh. was, was the way to go. I mean, I was going to be like the world's best roadie. I was going to have, you know, the mullet and the whole nine yards and have like 18 pairs of, of black pants and a black hoodie. And that was it. Yeah. Wow. Another um, production guy. That's interesting. I know, right? Yeah. So I started out doing that. Uh, I, I did it off and on in the town that I lived in up, in, up around Bell County, Texas, which, as you can imagine, wasn't exactly a mecca for um, anything in the, the recording arts. You know, Ted Nugent was huge up there. I saw Ted. And <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, moved to Houston and really wanted to in, engage more in that craft. And so I started working for a company on the south side of town called Bleich Productions, which they sub out to a lot of the, the, the big staging houses in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I worked for Bleich back in the day. Oh, nice. yeah. I remember them. Yeah, I know. Uh, most of those guys were either stoned high or both for most jobs. So um, I, I got into A1, started getting more into audio, audio engineering, uh, did some freelance stuff for a little bit didn't really know where I was going to take it, uh, bounced around a little bit and got my very first job in corporate AV working in the woodlands at a place called, um, Anadarko Petroleum. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And that's when it really, in my brain, I guess, really solidified that this is what I want to do, right? This is where right. I'm going. Um, between that point and where I was, uh, I, I, I enlisted, I was in the military, I'd, uh-huh. I'd done a number of different things. And then I finally found my calling, however you want to slice it, yeah. in, in doing corporate AV. Now, so. when you, how did you get hired? Because you had a background as a, as a quasi-roadie. Yeah. Now, I believe you were also, were you also supporting audio at your church? Yeah, I was doing ministry work as well, trying to help uh-huh. out with that. Yeah. Um, it was a, a random happenstance. So I had worked with uh, a gentleman at a previous church on the south side of town. Mm-hmm. We worked together a lot. 
he got me a gig doing some sub work for Freeman at the Brown when Freeman was the big name at the George R. Brown in yeah. Houston, which I kind of think is mm-hmm. um, had done some sub work there. And it turns out the guy that I worked for was the old ops manager of the Freeman. He got brought on to be the head honcho at Anadarko for AV and nice. marketing, I guess my own personal brand as it were. He remembered uh-huh. who I was and off I went. Cool. And ever since then, it's been like when Wiley Coyote straps the rocket to his back. That's kind mm-hmm. of how this has all been. Yeah. Uh, I went from Anadarko to working at BP yeah. as, a, as an architect and an engineer. That's when you first came up on my radar was when you landed at yeah. BP for yeah, whatever cause, reason. Because we were buying Clear One products. You were still uh, yes. You were yeah. still in that realm. Um, I made some adjustments there, went to work for another company as a, a full program manager, so managing an entire global program for another oil and gas company. Uh, that was in the middle of the oil downturn. A lot of folks yeah. their jobs. Uh-huh. I, I was told I was next, essentially. Yeah. Uh, At least they liked you enough to give you a heads up. They really didn't. They just told me to <laughs> get out of there now. That's what it was. It's okay, though. It's all right. I forgive them. Uh, Life that's what, bad direction. I know, right? <laughs> you know, if you start looking now, it's like, okay, I get it. Thanks. Uh, no, they were, they were great people to work for. The, and they were looking out for me. They were being very proactive and letting everyone know, hey, do what you got to do. Take care of your family. Which yeah. Is, I appreciate that. Um, that's when Google called and said, hey, do you want to work for Google? And I was like, hey, is this spam? Because... Who am I in relation to Google? Let's, let's be fair. Was it an internal Google recruiter? Yeah, it was a Google recruiter. I did not fill out an application. What? They, they found me on LinkedIn. They found you. Kid you not. They found me on LinkedIn. And so my ego immediately, immediately went through the roof because- Oh, absolutely, right? You know, Google called me. wants to do what we do, AV for Google. Obviously, I am amazing, apparently. <laughs> uh, and they have excellent taste. I, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so that turned into nine months of an interview process, which that's an entire other book you can write about interviewing in Silicon Valley. Yeah. And I started that job and it's been pretty amazing working in the tech sector ever since. I, I tried to work at an integrator again that really didn't go the way I, th- I thought it was going to go for yeah. a lot of reasons. Uh, dabbled, uh, went and dabbled more in kind of IT operations work as well to just to pass the time. Sure. And then again on LinkedIn, random phone call, Facebook called me, and here we are. Nice. Yeah. Well, and I, I will say I have a lot of respect for uh, the sacrifices that you make in order Absolutely. to do your job because you are you are bicoastal. You commute between the West Coast and, and the Third Coast, um, and that's not easy to be away from your beautiful children and your wife. Um, but you do it. I mean, you make it happen. Is it just something that you acclimate to? I mean, it's like if I want – because there's – you know, the companies that you've worked for are like the big companies, right? I mean, these are the big tech companies that probably a lot of people would give their eye teeth to work for and stuff. And, you know, I'm sure a gazillion other guys submitted their resumes and probably never even got a call, you know? Yeah, those companies, um, they probably get thousands of resumes. They week, have to. They have you know, to. For those positions. I can imagine. I don't know for a fact, but. They get, they get a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. Uh, at, at Facebook and Google, you know, they onboard 
several hundreds of people every single week, every Monday to, mm-hmm. to keep the, keep the furnace lit, right? To keep right. The yeah. burning. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'd like to say that my success is completely due to me, uh-huh. but it's really not. I mean, I'll be a hundred percent upfront. The success that I've enjoyed in this sector is due largely in part in the relationships that I've built over time and the very careful curation of my career trajectory. You know, everything, every step I made had a purpose. You know, when I left being a technician and moved into an architect and an engineer, you know, that really solidified that part of my portfolio. And I was, I did that for several years. Mm -hmm. Program management, it's a very key thing in our industry that often gets overlooked because they assume that a project manager can do everything and they can't, I'm sorry. Right. No, I agree. So there's, there's been several iterations of Justin that have led to here. And yeah. I mean, you do just kind of acclimate to it. I mean, I made a joke today. Actually, I made a joke on Sunday when I flew to Vegas for NAB this week. I made a joke that there are a lot of people in the San Jose airport that know me by name. And they're all employees of like the place I get margaritas when I go to the airport, you yeah. know, the Gordon Beers place for beers. They know who I am. Uh, I spent a lot of time on airplanes and Mm -hmm. it's kind of a give and take. Uh, Facebook takes very good care of me and my family. I mean, I'll be the first person to to admit that. Yeah. And that's what drives a lot of this is that uh, they they take care of us. The benefits are amazing, but also the fact that I am now a, the global owner of an entire service delivery program for one of the, largest AV consumers in our market Mm -hmm. to me, that's amazing. Yeah, Yeah, it is. And I have a chance to really do awesome things because of it. Yeah. That's pretty pretty cool. I I remember one of, uh, one of my proudest moments was when, um, I was able to get the clear one beam form, beam forming microphone into the, uh, Facebook Japan upgrade. Yay. It passed the feng shui test. And I was like, Hoo! and I remember I sent them a, a picture of the room and they immediately were like, Oh, can we use this? And I go, no, <laughs> we don't have authorization to use that. Of course you can't. You know, you'd be surprised uh, how many folks just post random pictures from projects at Facebook. And I'm like, oh, please stop. I know. You're killing me. So, uh, so doing that stint within you know the last several years, so you did a stint in integration. I think that's something you and Jerry both have in common is that you know uh, both having the end user uh, exposure and experience, being in charge of those types of things. What uh, what's the channel doing wrong? What 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 are, we, what are we not getting right? Where I mean, do you do you have more empathy for the channel because you did do a stint in the last five years in integration, or is it more apathy? <laughs> is, is this answering truthfully or politically? How do you want uh, to phrased? It, it's it's up to you, man. However you want. I, I get uh, it. Percent we're at a bar drinking Jaeger bombs. <laughs> oh shoot! All right, hold on a second. <laughs> um, so I, I'll be honest. Uh, going into this, um, before working, before I went to work for the integrator, I will say that I did have a bit of apathy towards the entire environment. Uh huh because I really couldn't quantify exactly what I quote unquote thought was the problem. Right. Which for me, if you know me, Michelle, you know me. I do. That's amazing because I know everything. Right. 
You, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm very opinionated about everything. I have an answer for just about everything. And I, I'm the same way. Even and that's, I'm a, wrong. that's okay. I mean, it, it's all right. I've learned that even though I say I know everything, most times I don't know everything, and it's cool. Uh, what the experience taught me was it allowed me to actually put into words and a thought framework around what frustrated me and what I was seeing. And the, ah. big, the biggest thing is an industry we miss between the end user gap and the integration gap is stop trying to sell stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing, right? I'm not That's saying true. marketing to your clients is not important. It absolutely is. Yeah. Reading the room is important. Knowing what your clients are looking for is important. Developing a quality solution for your clients is important. But notice that entire time, I did not say sell me one damn thing. Right. Right. The days of the taillight warranty from the used car salesman and AV are over. And the people that are struggling right now are the ones who cannot figure that out. Because looking at especially large enterprises, but even down to some smaller companies, Mm -hmm. Their primary goal is to now bring our AV expertise in-house. Yeah. Right? That's why I exist. Right. I mean, I could absolutely – I mean, Facebook, don't listen to this comment, but they could actually outsource me and probably get the same results depending on who you're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. You find the right company, find the right gig. Yeah. Mold them. But there's value to that proposition to anyone in this market to bring that, um, that expertise in-house, right? Yeah. It's a tremendous value for the, for the end user because then you have someone who's acclimated to the culture, who understands their values, and who can speak for and fight for their user. Now, where we lose sight of that is when we get the old-school mentality to go into a space guns blazing mm-hmm. to, you know, Quote, give us a chance to prove ourselves. Quote, yeah. would love the opportunity to earn your business. Yeah. Quote, you know, have you seen our line card yet? You know, honestly, those three, any, any combination of those three statements or anyone by themselves will automatically get you shortlisted on the do not enter my building list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Because you're not listening to me at that point in time. You're trying to push, you know, what you've got. And, I mean, Michelle, I'll be honest, it's one of the things I love about working with you is the fact that you never tried to sell me anything. You know, neither has people like Jeff Griffith, you know, y'all don't try to sell people. You understand the concept of partnering with someone, listening to someone and then building a quality solution around it. Right. I I figured out pretty early on um, because I was, I was trained in AV sales uh, by Ford AV. Good old Jim. Yeah. And (laughs) you know, uh, that was one of the things Jerry and I were discussing earlier. Um, They had a lot of structure which is something that many people crave in AV and many integrators. Uh, there's room for improvement in their structure. Um, lack it. It, right. Like, yeah, the non-existent structure, right. Um, where Ford definitely had that. It might be, it might've been a little over architected for my taste, um, but it was there. And, and with structure, just like kindergarten, the children thrive. Right. And, I, I realized I was an AV idiot pretty early on. You know, I had some exposure. I've been selling like a video conferencing product, soft codec, back in 2009, 2010. And I got into a discussion with my boss because he had called me on my phone and he could hear 
because we had cubicles right outside his office. And he was like, you're not cold calling. And I was like, I know, I, I don't like cold calling. And he was like, yeah, but when I hired you, you said you would cold call. And I said, I know, I was just telling you what you wanted to hear. Um, and I actually hate cold calling. <laughs> um, and he was like, yeah, but you promise. And I was like, well, I don't normally break my promise. Fine. And I had seen that uh, a company, Precision Drilling, they had uh, relocated their corporate office. So I literally picked up the phone, I called, I said, uh, yes, may I please speak to the person in charge of AV? That's exact. And so I'm in my mind, I'm crafting my voicemail that I'm going to leave. Um, and I, oh, and by the way, what's that, what's that person's name? Oh, that Robert so-and-so. Okay, fine. Well, the dude answered his desk phone. I've never heard of this, right? I mean, so many people, you're just constantly <laughs> being sent to voicemail you. Yeah. And he picked up the phone and I was like, hey, my name's Michelle. I'm with Ford. I know you already moved into your beautiful new headquarters. So I know you don't have a need right now for an AV integrator, but it's come to my attention that at some point you're going to hate your AV integrator. And I was just wondering if I could send you my contact information. So when that time comes, you got a backup plan. And he was like, actually, we've been in our new space for 90 days. Uh, the punch list still isn't completed. I already hate my AV integrator. Um, when can you come see me? And it was at that point that I think I fell out of my chair. I dropped the phone. I was like, I'm on my way. Well, no, no, you don't have to come now. And I was like, no, I do. I'm not allowed to leave the office unless I have an appointment and I have to enter it into a proprietary CRM. So uh, <laughs> I'll see you in 22 minutes, you know. Yeah, I really, really want to leave. And, and I hung up the phone and my boss, may he rest in peace, Mr. C, uh, said, see, I told you if you would just cold call. And I was like, that never happened. That never happened. But, you know, the one time. But yeah, and, and when the good news is when you are an AV idiot, if, yeah, their processes were such that I knew I had to capture all this information or for sure my engineer was not going to enter a keystroke to do any work. And so it was really just about listening. And since I didn't know what I was talking about, for once, I couldn't really talk. So I was just like, so what seems to be the problem? There you <laughs> go. You know? Um, and I think the listening is, is definitely, uh, is definitely a, a key skill. Well, and yeah. that's one of the things I think we don't do all that often. I mean, yeah. I've, mm -hmm. I've sat and talked to people at length about what I'm looking for, my vision, things that I'm trying to put together. And I, I can't tell sometimes, I mean, the really good people, they listen, they provide feedback. And if you, you never discuss a solution in the entire beginning of the needs analysis, you're doing fantastic, right? right. Yeah, right. Un unless, you know, the user has, you know, standards or things they want you to look at, that kind of thing. If you're, if you're being brought in to brainstorm, talking and asking questions is a great thing. Yeah. But I'll know if you're listening to me and not just counting the spiff in your head from the stuff you're going to go back and put on this outrageous bomb you're going to send me not too later, not too far, far down the line. Right. If you're actually giving me feedback that makes sense. Yeah. Right. If you're asking questions like, you know, what exactly is this space going to be used for? Right. I didn't say, do you want a projector or an led wall? I didn't say, yeah. You know, I asked, Hey, what are you going to do in here? I mean, what are your thoughts? That's, that's where listening comes in. Right. And also knowing when to ask what question mm -hmm. is also important. That's, that's true. 
honestly, that's one of the things I really enjoyed about working for an integrator was getting to do that, was actually getting to do it the right way. What I thought was the right way. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Other folks may disagree. Totally okay. Um, but that was one of the things I enjoyed thoroughly was being able to, uh, again, kind of put my stamp on how things were going to go. And you're absolutely right. I mean, cold calling, uh, I, I haven't, I honestly have not looked up statistics because I have poor cold calling, cold calling that much. Yeah. Um, when people cold call me at work or send me cold call emails, mm-hmm. they automatically get file 13 or they get like the grilling of a lifetime around what exactly are you looking for? I'm not sure what you mean. What are you talking about? What is HTCP? I don't understand that. Can you explain that to me? And then you know, I'm just screwing with you guys. I'm sorry. I know what you're talking about. No, we're not going to use you. I'm good. Um, but you're actually right. I mean, in my environment, cold calling does not work. And right. in, large, in large tech companies, cold calling does not work. No. Nah. You have to know someone who knows someone to make that come together. And that goes back to that relationship building, listening to customers, right. work, working with people in a manner that you would prefer to work with them again. Yeah. Right. right. Kind of like you're vetting your, your service provider up front in different methods that are, you know, that are not the old school ways. Cause I know, I know that for me, I, I cringe when I go in with a sales guy as an engineer with a client and they all of a sudden they're like, well, our company's been in business for she's like, it's like, dude, shut up. Shut up. It's like, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, if you go in with a sales guy who has that mentality, honestly, and I don't mean this in a negative connotation. All this should be there is a pickup check for lunch. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right. I've, I've done that. And, and in some cases that works, right? I mean, if you're right. there to sure. grease the wheels and make sure that the, the nerds can talk, fine. Let the nerds talk. Yeah, exactly. But if you're trying to build that initial relationship, it's not about, you know, laying that crazy foundation for, you know, we've been in business for 85 years. You know, if I found a company who was in, if I found a company who was legitimately in business for six months mm-hmm. and, they, and they had a compelling story yeah, with the data to back it up, I'd mm-hmm. give my shot. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what's so funny, right? I, like, even when you deliver a presentation, and I've gone round and round with, with my boss about this, um, because we disagree. Um, you know, it always starts with the about us. And I'm like, why the fuck are we showing up and talking about us? I mean, if we're already there, you're, you've been invited in, you already have a seat at the table. <clears throat> Right. So obviously there's some, I don't know, crumb of, of, you know, credibility, right. That you got invited in. Why are you starting out? I mean, that'd be like going on speed dating and just talking about yourself the whole time. Like, that's not how you get to know people. That's not how you get to, you know, find out what keeps them up at night. And, you know, if there's a challenge they have that you might be able to solve, or you, know, you might know how somebody else solved it, you could share with them. And I just don't think any presentation should have an about us section. I totally agree. Or stick it at the end. <laughs> and then if you feel like they still need to know about, you know, we were founded in the prairies of Minnesota in 1935. I mean, right. fine, go for it, you know. But, yeah, I just don't see that as, as – and, and yet every just about every slide deck you see starts with the about us. Well, and it, it's, it's interesting in those things, right, because I sat through hundreds yeah. probably. And they literally all start with the obligatory, you know, let's learn about X. 
And no offense, I have Google, right? right. Yeah. I mean, I've done research. Does, does everyone do their research? Probably not. But to your point, you could probably pretty easily engage in more of a rapport discussion and then answer those questions organically as they come up. Because if you have the users, if you have their interest, they're going to ask the questions. They'll, they'll ask questions that are meaningful to them. I've sat through a million RSM presentations where they just, they go through the entire slide deck. They'll open up the GUI, even though we do not have one, one programmer in the room. The salesperson does not need to see the GUI. Let's be honest, right? You know, Um, or they'll go through all the way through and then they would say something like, uh, oh, and this is one, uh, (laughs) he was one of your favorites uh, with a command and control product. And then you go, so do y'all do a lot of EOCs? And and this is, you know, this is after 45 (laughs) or 50 minutes later, right? And then they just look at him blankly and go, no, we don't really do anything in that market, you know? And it's like... You just just made my ears bleed. I had flashbacks. You should have... You should ask that question first, you know, or so do y'all do a lot of digital signage? And they're like, no, we don't do any digital signage, you know, it's uh, not unless we have to, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I see that a lot. I see well, that a lot. It's frustrating too, because I, I don't mean to sound, you know, full of myself or anything, but it's almost kind of insulting in some ways. Right. I yeah. mean, I did my research to bring you in. Right. In whatever manner you got brought in. Say it was a cold call, whatever. I talk to you. I'm done. I'm going to start looking it up and see kind of what your, what I think your sweet spot is. Find out what questions I'm going to ask. You know, if you don't do any research on me. Yeah. How is, yeah. How is that building a partnership? Right. You know? I mean, I, I'll foot the check for the first date, but y'all need to start, you know, investing in this process. That's kind of how it works. Well, if I go in and, and the first thing I say is, you know, do you do digital signage? You say no. You know, do you have any, do you, would you like to learn about this? Because I'm sure you'd rather me leave in five minutes if I don't, if I have something that you're not right. interested in learning about, right? Then burn the full hour of your time. It's kind of right. how I look at it. You know, right. I mean, you know, and, and sometimes meetings go longer when it is valuable content and they do have a, a need for it and a use That's for true. it. I'm curious at what point Justin did, uh, did you start getting, uh, at the time Infocom, uh, education? Mm-hmm. What year were you, were you still at Anadarko when you got your CTS or was it a little bit later? It was a little later. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, so it, it kind of took some evolution to get to where I was. I was working for Apache, which was the, the other oil and gas company I worked for in Houston. Uh-huh. Uh, my boss at the time, uh, she was a, a very strong, strong personality, uh-huh. fantastic person to work for. I love her to death. Um, she, she made c- continuing education a focus. Oh, nice. Not because you just had to have it, but because that's how you stayed engaged in what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd studied for my CTS. I'd been digging into it, trying to, to really nail down when I was going to do it. Uh, and then in 2012 was when I finally got my CTS. And hopefully this year mm-hmm. uh, I'm getting my CTSD. I actually have, nice. I, I have yield book here uh-huh. at the house. I go over wow. at least once a night. Um, I, I've actually gone through and, and 
audited some of the design level courses. Chuck Espinosa's helped me out with a lot of that, kind of give me pointers. So, Did you find that once you did become a CTS and the being more engaged with the organ with the trade organization um, made your job more meaningful. It, it really, it did because I at that point in time I was looking for a way to to give back because I felt that I'd been at that point in time I felt that I had been blessed with a lot and still believe that to this day. Yeah, and I, I, again, noticing from the outside looking in, no one really seemed to be listening to user feedback. Uh huh. When it comes when it came to a lot of the things inside the association, um, I wanted it, to be I wanted to be a voice. I wanted to be yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to help. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it really did grow from that aspect of wanting. And, and you're correct; it really does fulfill me in that way of being able to to provide back to people who are coming to the point where I was previously. And even some who may have gotten past that point and have kind of, I don't want to say lost that love and feeling, but, you know, have kind of in the doldrums a little bit looking for a way to reinvigorate themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Now, Jerry, are you a CTSD? Not a D, no. No, but you are a CTS. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to gain my RUs for my fifth renewal. <laughs> Dang, that's OG right there, man. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I did my original one back when I was in, uh, on the on the on online. Yeah, before the testing center stuff. Yeah. Oh, nice. nice, nice. And I've just maintained it since. Uh, I always run out, you know, to the point, you know, get under get in under the wire to renew it. I guess just haven't been so busy. A lot of the a lot of the companies employers don't really give you the time to invest in it and yeah. to keep it up. They talk, they say they do, they, they, they try to say, you know, that they put a lot of focus on that, but sometimes when it comes down to it, it's like you end up getting so busy that, like, hey, I need to study for this. It's like, okay, well, that's, you know, like a CTSD, as Justin will tell you, you probably got to put in at least a good 120 hours worth of study time before you can take it, I would focus say, thought. at minimum, and nobody's going to let you do that on the clock. No. Well, to be honest, you're right. I don't do it on the clock now. I mean, I work for an amazing company that affords me every ability, every luxury I can pretty much imagine when it comes to my work day. And they probably would allow me to go sit in a quiet room and and read my book. I just can't because of time. Right. Right. And responsibilities. Right. That's a a problem I've had. Uh, Unfortunately, my lifestyle is that when I'm off the clock, I, I, I literally have to make appointments with myself to pursue my hobbies yeah. and my family. And so it hasn't been a critical deciding factor in my career so far. Um, but um, I, I, I would love to have it. And every, every employer I've had in the last 10 years has promised me that they'll give me the time to do it. But none of them have. Well, it's interesting also uh, because you're a program manager, Justin, and uh, – one of our mutual friends of, of all of ours, uh, who's a consultant, was interested in like a program manager type position, but directly with the end user, which is what you're doing. And I, unfortunately, I just don't see as much of that in the Houston market. I just, I think, 
You, you know what I mean? I don't think a lot of them have that realization internally that they need that position. Uh, now, I've seen some of the big nationals, you know, offer program managers, right, to their clients, which their clients are paying for through them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's it's an interesting little conundrum, right? <clears throat> I So being a program manager working at Apache Corporation, I had pretty much maxed out my ability to ascend to anything in the right. Houston market in an AV perspective. Mm -hmm. Unless I was like a director at an integrator or something like that, which that's really not my bag. So it, it is what it is. Yeah. You're, and you're absolutely right. Um, when it comes to what is centralized in that market, which is your energy work, Mm -hmm. You know, there is some, some other subsidiary markets out there, healthcare that exist in Houston. Those disciplines just don't focus on that as a core competency. They'll roll it in with IT or they'll roll it in with facilities. Mm -hmm. And that's all well and good as long as structure is around it and makes sense for the folks that are in there doing that. But that's one of the main reasons why I've now worked in Silicon Valley two times. Once yeah. for Google and once out for Facebook doing what I do because in that market, there's just in the Houston market, there's just not that growth opportunity to make that work. Well, I've even seen people that, you know, pioneered their company's AV initiatives, right? I mean, working for the company for 10 years, 15 years, never having an AV title. Like they would usually ascend to something like a, a data analyst too. <laughs> it's like, how is that the AV person, right? You know, but because they literally within their IT infrastructure do not have that moniker um, or the AV designation in, in any capacity. And then once they got to that point, that was it. Yeah, there, there wasn't really a roadmap. Um, and I wonder why that is. I don't know. I think from my own experience, from my own experience and from, from, from what I've seen, it, it, that really is just kind of how those markets move. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They look at ways to find as many efficiencies as possible. Mm -hmm. And honestly, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but we as an industry have not done a really exemplar job of defining what we are and who we are and how we do it. Yeah. You're right. They try and wrap us up under IT-related titles, which in some cases is not bad. If you look at my history in the, the AV universe, I have a lot of IT experience. Yeah. I have my ISO certification. I've been a server admin. I've been a network admin. I, I, I float in both worlds pretty efficiently. And having that experience, I can say that when it comes to companies that are trying to operate in the minutia, such as oil and gas, such as healthcare, trying to provide all the efficiencies they can every way to maximize uh, not just output, but profitability. They look to find the low-hanging fruit and how to lump those things together. And we as an industry have not made it easy on them to see what the differentiation is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, it's weird because I, I think – that's something, um, well, there's room for improvement, right, amongst our, our, our organization. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. th there's that opportunity for growth. Well, I mean, think about it, though. Like, when you first got engaged with the industry, you were at the end user. Um, 
I mean, what was last year? 30% of the attendees were end users at yes. Infocom. Um, back when you first went, what was it? Sub five? I was a rarity. My very first yeah. Infocom. You were the I, albino unicorn? Well, no, I was like, I was literally like the guy walking through the Doberman Prinscher and German Shepherd <laughs> training center wearing the pork chop, over, pork chop overcoat, <laughs> nice, right? Nice. Because you walk through there and someone reads your badge and says, oh, in user. And they just, you know, they want to they flock and see who you're for. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I know, right? Yeah. Now, nowadays, with the, the larger influx of the end user community, uh, I, I see why Avixa made the pivot they did in their branding to show they're looking for an integrated experience. Uh-huh. Um, they are providing a lot more end user focused, uh, I don't want to say, I hate to say stuff because it's just kind of bleh. But they are providing more industry-focused opportunities at the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say I would even dare to say that as we've analyzed what the CTS is, uh, and understanding that that needs to be able to pivot and represent the end users who are taking this market as well. Oh yeah, and finding efficiencies and, and tooling that you know that goes through ANSI review uh, every cadence-laden period. I would I would expect to see you know that input from the end user community to help influence that. I think that makes yeah. would make it more interesting, actually. Well, I mean, well, it, it helps out. I think you know, as an integrator, uh, it would help out too when you're the people you're dealing with from the end user when their education level is is you know it's up there as well. It helps to communicate the needs, you know. Versus, you know, walking into a room with, you know, the guy's like, oh, I don't really know what I want, you know, versus talking to somebody who's taking the time to train themselves. They're like, well, this is what I want. You know, this is what I need to achieve. And I know it's achievable. And I've seen this, that. I run into those scenarios a lot where now I run them into good and bad. Yeah. Because I run good because the people that can do it humbly will tell you what their needs are and what the path that they want to look at, but they're also open-minded. Uh, I've also seen dealt with people that are like, well, I have my CTS. I know all this stuff and you just need to do it my way. It's like, okay. Then it's like, do you want to look at it a smarter way to do it? Or have you considered, you know, they're like, Nope, you do what I'll tell you, you know? So they, they kind of kind of jerky about it for lack of a better word. And it, it makes it difficult to the point where, I mean, there's people in certain companies that we all know that every integrator absolutely dreaded having to deal with. Yeah. No, because that's of that attitude, you know, and that came with, you know, it's like, okay, this guy, you know, reads too many magazines or something, you know, <laughs> you know, well, it's funny being an end user. I have users who are kind of the same way, right? Right. Come in and provide their feedback. And I, User feedback to me is the best gift I can get because to show that someone is engaged in the environment they want to share mm-hmm, right. makes my life that much easier. But and Michelle, you've heard me say this. You know, I've, I've codified it as the, the Captain America effect. So 
when Iron Man and Captain America were first coming out and people going to the movies and, you know, every time you went and saw a Marvel flick, Tony Stark had some new iteration of monitor or free floating display or something like that. It would automatically spur discussions of, I would like that. <laughs> yeah. And you just kind of stare off into space like, uh, no, but we can talk about it. I mean, what do you like about it? What are you trying to get to? Uh, you're absolutely right. It, it does go both ways. And, and I, I don't want to make it seem like this entire time that I've been uh, focusing on the end user as part of this equation that is the, the negative. It's absolutely not. The integrator mm -hmm. provides a very valuable role. The integration market is something that I feel uh, is very undervalued in a lot of ways mm -hmm. because of uh, you, you find individuals in the integration market just like anywhere else. You know, the that one person gives us all that that stigma with every customer you talk to in perpetuity. Right. Um, the end user can be and often is in some cases the most trying part of this equation to balance out. Yep, I agree. Because of a number of things. Hubris, like you described, is one of them. You know, assuming you know everything. Uh, I made the joke earlier that I know everything. I will tell everyone, you know, the other, other two folks who are listening to this right now, <laughs> that if, if I tell you that I know everything about a subject, feel free to call me all my bullshit because I don't. Sure. Uh, that, that kind of thing is very short-sighted. It makes it to where you're not uh, you're not innovative. You're not growing. You know, being set with the blinders on doesn't give you the ability to see the rest of the market, as Jerry just described. Mm -hmm. Along with that, you know, the end user can be a part of the equation that provides everyone, not just the integrator, with the most heartburn. Knowing what you like going into something is awesome, and I really think you should do your homework. Yeah. But listening to every vendor that comes down the pipeline and making three and four scope changes to every project because this person took you to Del Frisco's and this person took you to Papado's and you really like Papado's versus Del Frisco. So they're going to get the business, you know, doing AV by emotion does not fix anything. Right. That is one thing I've had to right. learn right. very, very hard in this business, mm -hmm. both on the end user side and on the, the professional side, the pro AV side research, fact-finding, understanding your problems, these are all things you can use to build a solution. If you're doing it on a whim, or if you're doing it and you're unable to level set expectations with your stakeholders, those are things that are going to impact the project regardless of who you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I, I see that a lot, actually. Um, probably, it, it was like that. I came from the structured cabling world. Uh, pretty glamorous stuff, layer one. And uh, it, structured cabling was one of those things. The, the end users either didn't give two hoots about it, or they cared way too much. Like, I'm talking, did they buy you like a ski boat? You know, like, why do you care so much, right? I mean, it's, it all meets or exceeds at the time an EIA, TIA standard, IEEE now. But, you know, and I, I just always thought that was fascinating. But there was a lot of that, you know, a lot of, uh, I called it grooming. They would groom the end user and then, you know, they would take all this marketing dollars and throw it at them. And, you know, 
this was like the late 90s and the aughts. So you could still take clients to topless bars. I didn't ever do that, but I knew of others who did. So the, the playing field wasn't necessarily as level for me, uh, just because that's not my jam. But, you know, uh, different strokes for different folks, right? Um, we also never got into any situations where um, the manufacturer and the end user accidentally ended up spending thousands of dollars in a private VIP room only to realize that they didn't have thousands of dollars and they weren't going to be able to expense that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oops. Now, did you ever have people whining and dining you, Jerry? Uh, actually, yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit. During my stint as the end user, I was working for a billionaire. So uh, I was running around shopping for a big stadium sound system and video LED system, uh, LED wall system um, with a blank check from a billionaire. So, Wow. Yeah. Do, do People you, flew, flew me around. Different oh, manufacturers flew me around the country just to demo stuff for me. Interesting. Yeah, so. That Rolling out that red carpet. Oh yeah, and then some. I got. I mean, I was living in the Caribbean. I, you know, somebody flew me up to Canada to look at a LED video wall. You know, and back then it was like, oh yeah, it's eight millimeter. That was the stand, that was uh, the hot stuff back then. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Funny how things have evolved. No, no, no. What I yeah, like is. Well, now they don't have to fly you, Jerry. Now um, you just ask for a demo at your office. And yeah. they're like, sure, we'll be more than happy to set up an LED wall in this random room for you to look at it uh, in person. Because that's just so easy. It's not easy. But they, no, will do it, they will do it every single day of the week. We had to do it for BHP Billiton the one for the boardroom yeah. for P66. Same thing, right? I think right. P66 might have even been a shootout. It so was a shootout. I heard about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's when we're going to get multiple, mm -hmm. yeah, four, five, six different ones. And we're going we're gonna to look at them like we're at the Costco. You know, which one looks better? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, I've done shootouts too. And yeah. It, well, it's, sometimes it's nice, right? I mean, I, I get it. I'll be honest. I miss it. I, I, love, I, I love the whole shootout concept. Yeah. Um, and it's funny you mentioned doing the whole whining and dining thing. Um, I've obviously experienced that on many, 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 many different levels, yeah. depending upon how you want to slice it. You've been uh, a recipient of my rum cake, so there you your go. Rum your rum cakes are amazing. That, I, I'm, that I'm was not going to lie. Your ass. That no, was you my full disclosure. <laughs> I was like, because I, I just didn't feel like you really liked me very much, and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, he gets one of my fucking rum cakes this year, and we're going to watch that attitude totally shift, and it did. I swear you liked me better after I gave you a rum cake. I liked you. I liked you regardless, but your rum cakes, your rum cakes are amazing. I think it got Philip off off the fence. I think Philip's liked me a little bit only because she shared. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I will say though, when it comes to that that um, that whole you know whining and dining and getting the folks to to sign the dotted line, so to speak, there really is an exceptionally fine line between trying to just throw cash at a problem. I know. Mm -hmm. And trying to show someone you appreciate their time. Mm -hmm. Right. That's true. Yeah. And I'll be really honest that the, the, the sleaze balls that came in like, Hey, you know, what are you doing after work? And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. Go home, see my wife and children possibly. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, well, Hey, we we're thinking about going over to, you know, St. James. It's on the way home. Do you want to go check it out? I'm like, what part of wife and children did you not completely comprehend in that statement? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
reading the room. It's like, well, I'm going to go ahead and not do that. Uh, or the person that offers you um, a line of, of Coke at Infocom, not realizing that you're a reserve sheriff's deputy. Go uh, figure. Uh, know your audience. See part of the world. <laughs> know your audience. We, you won't, we, won't, we, won't go, we won't go into that. Yeah, uh, it's just funny, right? You know, well, like, what? It, Do you even know me? You know, like you're not the guy that goes to titty bars. You're not the guy that does recreational drugs. You know, I think you do need to kind of know your audience before you're throwing stuff like that out there. But you can also tell the environment is different when you do that, right? Yeah. I mean, when you go out, say you're going out to dinner with someone you've done business with for a long time, and they really do want to say thank you, right? Just to buy buy everyone dinner. It's fun. You talk, you commiserate. You give people a hard time. You 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 talk about the good times. You, you generally talk about everyone's like hobbies and stuff because you all know each other that well. Yeah. Right. That's different than going to a sales dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and hearing someone wax poetic about what they can do for you. You know, that's just that's a waste of my time. It's a waste of your money. And yeah. We went to a really nice dinner with a. Delta back when I was repping their LED walls yeah. and I, I got invited along. I don't know why. Oh, cause I was the local rep and my, my RSM liked me. Um, but I didn't have any skin in the game and I don't know any of those guys there, but we went to really nice, fancy uh, seafood restaurant over in uh, Galleria two. And there must've been like 10 or 12 people at the, at the table. And there was no way they were going to get that LED wall business, but they easily spent, I don't know, three, $3,500, you know, this was one of those, you know, one of those restaurants where they don't give you two sides with your entree, like you yeah. got to order a <laughs> those places. And, and, and yet somehow that asparagus costs as much as an entree at another restaurant. You're like, yeah. how does that work? You know? Um, but yeah, no, I was never, I was more along the lines of, uh, I would take people to lunch. I would reward them for their business. <clears throat> by letting them spend quality time with me. No, I, I would thank them for their business, but I would never like try and take someone to lunch just to get to know them if I didn't already know them. I don't know. No, I no, guess you're real good about that. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. To date, the best time I've ever had going out to one of those dinners was uh, I worked for Apache. Uh, I've been a long-time restaurant customer through – other companies and we were doing some work, a lot of work with Crestron at that point in time. And Linda Pennington was my, my rep, uh-huh. another soul that I, I love to death. We she's were in awesome. Vegas. She's amazing. Yeah. I was in Infocom at Vegas and she messages me on Tuesday and says, Hey, I got re- I got reservations for, uh, for Bouchon, uh-huh. which is a restaurant in the Venetian. Would you care to try it out? I'm like, oh, it sounds kind of upscale for me. It's not really my gig. Um, let you know. Let's look at some other stuff. If you want to grab dinner, I'll I'll split. I don't care. You want to buy me dinner? I'm not worried about it. And we went to the Cosmopolitan and went upstairs and found this restaurant called STK. Uh-huh. I had never been there before. I find out the chain later. I'm disappointed that I missed out until now. We go in and have one of the most amazing dinners we've ever had in my entire life. Food was fantastic. But on top of that, just it was Linda, it was Jeff Griffith, it was Paul Stuckey, Uh and me. It was just an amazing time because we weren't there trying to sell something. We weren't there trying to to get the next bit out or you know 
get projections for the end of the year and that kind of thing, even though Crash John's fiscal year ends at the same time as fucking Infocom rolls. Yes, it does. Yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. It's brutal. Um, it's horrible. I said the F bomb. I apologize. It's okay. You, yeah. I say it all the time. All right, good. Let's make sure we, we, we got to air this later right now. Um, yeah, there is amazing. No <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was amazing time, right? Just an amazing oh, yeah. time. And, you know, Michelle, we've had great times when we go out and get dinner. Uh huh. Jerry, I'm pretty sure if if I could catch you when I'm at home one day, we'd probably have to go have a good time if we were to go to Papa Do's or something like that. I mean, oh, yeah, have absolutely. a genuinely good time. Yeah. That that's relationship building. That's using your money for something that makes sense. Right. Trying to throw cash at a problem does not solve anything when it comes to building that relationship value. If you have to throw cash at it to fix it, it's not gonna it's probably not worth fixing in the first place. Right. Yeah. Let's be yeah. completely honest at this point in time. Right. It's not okay. even a band-aid, yeah. It's not. And that's speaking from the other side of the equation too. I mean, if I was an integrator and I could tell a relationship had met, had, had reached critical mass and I needed to fix something, you know, me throwing cash at it is not gonna fix the problem. But yeah. in that old school sales mentality, man, you know, it's the what would it take to get you into Sunday today type yeah. scenario? Yeah. Oh, you I know, that. Yeah. They, they take you to the finest Brazilian steakhouse and that's supposed to fix a problem. That's just not how this works. Well, somebody, I think it was Steve Greenblatt posted a quote from one of the speakers at the Crestron Masters and it was, uh, stop calling yourself dealers because we're not selling used cars. Don't stop calling yourself integrators because nobody knows what we integrate. <laughs> And I, I know that sounds silly because I use both of those terms all the time, but I, I kind of felt the same way. The first time um, there was a local CCS franchise that had been acquired by an investment company and they changed their name and they changed it to Summit Integration. And the problem was, I was like, why would you change your name to that? Why wouldn't you make it Summit AV? I found out later there was already a Summit AV somewhere in Colorado. Yeah. But um, I was like, nobody's going to know what a dang integrator is. I mean, we would know because we're AV people, right? right? But outside of our little bubble, I mean, you know, if I'm just looking, I wouldn't look through the yellow pages because they don't have those anymore, I presume. But, you know, if I'm searching, I'm going to look for audiovisual audio, video, you know, AV. I, I just felt like they, there was that missed opportunity, but I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah. You're, you're right. It's, our market is changing. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you come to me and tell me that you're going to send your best account manager or your best sales executive to come talk to me, I'm probably going to discount what they say or take it with a grain of salt, as it were. Mm -hmm. Because I don't need someone to manage me and I do not need someone to try and sell me anything. Right. And one of the things that we look for when it comes to our, what I've seen looking and what I weigh very heavily is, you know, I'm looking for a partner. Yeah. I'm looking for someone who's going to come in, hear my story, mm -hmm. tell their story. We meet somewhere in the middle and then we keep each other honest. Uh, yeah. I mean, I expect this, uh, I'll be, if you haven't guessed this by now, I'm a very direct person. Yes. Um, I, I don't mince words. I, I don't beat around the bush. If something's wrong, I tell you what's going on. We talk about it. We fix it. We move on. Mm -hmm. I expect the same thing back. I mean, if I'm a problem, if something that I'm doing is a problem, a process is a problem, if my billing is a problem, we need to fix this stuff because this needs to be as mutually beneficial as possible. Right. And that boils down to the fact that, you know, and to Michelle's point, you know, integration, the, 
the word integration, the practice of integration is something that's going by the wayside. Yeah. It's evolving. It's turning into, you know, technology management. It's turning into business services. Mm -hmm. It's turning into companies losing the, sometimes even losing all the AV connotation and dumping sound or dumping X and building uh, like something that says technologies, right? Right. There's, there's a company in Peoria. I've known them for years or IAS. This, when they rebranded, they rebranded and became IAS, technolo- IAS technologies, right? Uh-huh. Because they're trying to encompass right. the entirety of that market. It's coming. Yeah. We should be afraid of that though. I mean, this, no. is the, this is the uplift we as an industry have been waiting for for decades. This right. is the uplift we need to get out of the, the side market and get into, you know, technology mm-hmm. solutions as a whole. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think people are making themselves too niche, too much of a niche market. Yeah. You know, as companies, they're like, oh, we, 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 no, we don't do that part. No, we don't do that part. You know, you know, the, I think the ones that are going to survive as far as like integrators are the ones that truly do integrate. It's like, well, we, yeah, okay, we, we can pull your network. We can do your mm-hmm. conference room, your video conferencing. We can do, you know. Your, your DAS. Yeah. We do, yeah. We can do mm-hmm. all your UC. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. And and that, that's. And, and not, not just do it, succeed at it. Right. Do it right. Well. Yeah. Because there are a ton of companies out there right now at this exact second, who do, air quotes for all you folks playing the game at home, uh-huh. who do UC and do network and do DAS and do us all a disservice because they suck at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Good. Yeah. If you're going to do it, right. invest in it, make it one of your core competencies, and do it. If you're not going to do that, do me a huge favor and stop. Yeah, well, I know one of the one of the big nationals, the uh, the local office, uh, their people are out selling uh, cabling, but they don't do structured cabling. They're literally a, a pure play AV integrator, and they're a really good, very well respected AV integrator. And the problem is, every um, every industry has its has its game, right? So in the structured cabling world, because that's been beat to death and commoditized since the early aughts, um, you're not a dealer for everything. You can't just be like, I want to be a Comscope dealer because there's a finite amount of Comscope dealers. And those are people that have been doing it for 20 to 30 years in the Houston market. And they'll go in and they'll say, oh, we can do that. And then they'll, they'll, they'll bid it. And then, oh, guess what? You can't bid it because, yes, even though in XYZ where you do own a cabling company, you have that certification, that's over in you know Timbuktu. That's not in the state of Texas. That's not in the city of Houston. Um, I just see a lot of that. And they're subcontracting it, and their sub also doesn't have that certification, right? Yeah. And it's something that they need for the warranty, even though I can't remember the last time somebody actually used their cabling warranty. But nonetheless, right? part of the specification documents. So yeah, you, you, get, you do got to be careful um, because if I'm an end user, how am I going to know that you don't do it? It's all over your website. You say that you do it. You give me a list of customers. I don't necessarily ask for them to be broken out. You know, can I get a, who are your happiest DAS customers? Who are your happiest cabling customers? Who are your happiest, whatever security? I don't necessarily do that. Right. So. Well, and, 
And when it comes to when it comes to your comscopes, when it comes to your Neutrix, you know, those people who visit people in the Fortune One Hundred mm-hmm. right. to educate them, mm-hmm. uh, they're not going to go. Well, I should not say that. Let me let me apologize for saying that. I don't want to. I don't want to stereotype. Um, typically, they're not going to delve down into that market. Yeah, that small to medium business market. Right. To build that up. Now, should they? Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Because, again, as we've all said tonight, you know, an educated end user is what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so someone who's educated in these ways. If they, Honestly, if, if those companies, and they're starting to do that. I mean, some are. Mm-hmm. If those companies were to go look at the small and medium businesses and go and offer information. I know. Beyond what you can Google. So I used to work at one. I used to work at a it's a large construction company. Uh-huh. But again, IT was not their core competency. We were building a program. Yep. I shared what I knew from the IT and AV universe, but I would regularly bring people in from, from NetApp and from, you know, from Cisco to come in and talk about switches, to come in and, and give information so that my guys could make, my guys and girls actually could make informed decisions. Yep. Yeah. We, miss, we miss out on that. That's true. Well. And, uh, Jerry, you'll see Jerry works remote a lot now, so I'm afraid that because he doesn't get to sit in lunch and learns like he used to, that he might be, he might be losing some of his uh, curve. Oh. He's no longer ahead of the curve. <laughs> How are you going to uh, know? No, I, I, do, I do the appropriate ones. Um, I do the appropriate ones, the ones that I feel I need. Uh, but there's a lot, there's a lot of static in that as well. That's just unnecessary, you know. I don't need to know about, you know. Oh, great! You got this great little product that's phenomenal in the in the classroom. I'm like, we don't do classroom. Sorry. Right. Yeah. We <laughs> yeah. don't do K through twelve. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but you know, and I think on that one, I think we need to wrap it up, folks. We're getting, We've run out of time. Awesome. Well, so, uh, Justin, where can people find you if you want them to find you? I, I exist on every manner of, of social media interloop that you can find with the same name. Excellent. It's Paladin Machina, P-A-L-A-D-I-N-M-A-C-H-I-N-A. That's going to be that's in the Twitterverse. That's in Instagram. And where does that name come from? I've always wondered. Uh, so you're going to get kind of geeky on this one. So, um, I grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons because uh-huh. being the uber nerd that I am, it involved math, it involved dice, and some element of not being the bespeckled geek that I was. I could be someone else. I, I won't go into that. It's my therapy. Um, obviously, the paladin in that scenario is a, a, a warrior, a holy knight of some nice. sort, right? Nice. Uh-huh. Uh, Machina, I picked up from, I don't know if I was just totally blasted one night and was trying to say machine and couldn't. Uh, <laughs> someone said that it was a, a term that was used on a video game called Kingdom Hearts back in the day. I've not played Kingdom Hearts, so I can't help you with that. Um, I was tooling around one day and I was trying to find a way to, to encapsulate, to embody the concept of being a warrior uh-huh. for, my, for my users. Nice. And I couldn't use Tron because Tron's taken, but I do have a bust of Tron at my desk at work because I fight for my users. Nice. Um, the two words just fell together 
one day in early 2005 or six, uh-huh. I think it was. And ever since then, it's just been a thing. So I it, like that. It, like literally, that. it literally is the holy warrior of technology. I fight for my users. There you that. go. That's awesome. Well, great well thanks for joining us. This, I had a great time. Yeah, I did thank too. you, Justin. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. don't be a stranger. I will. Bye, y'all. All right. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see, see you next one. <laughs>